0: Well, good morning. Well, we're going to continue on in First uh, Corinthians 11. This section actually has kind of, two, it seems like two parts, but actually they're, they're really connected. And I started a little bit last week, but uh, so we're going to talk about our adversary disguising himself and more the idea of boasting by Paul. And actually what's today I think is kind of cool is we're going to kind of talk a little bit more about. You know, there seems to be this, this play between Paul saying, I don't want to be foolish, but I want to boast. And he goes back and forth, boasting, foolishness, and it kind of gets, gets confusing. So hopefully we can make it a little bit clearer today. So here's the outline, same one I had from last week, basically. So we're down to, so we, the, the person uh, disguising himself is Satan, of course. Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. And then Paul's boasting. And then next week we're going to get into the section which is probably one of the most familiar sections in chapter 11 where Paul goes through his, his sufferings. And actually that's what he's, you know, that's what he's been struggling with through all these first 21 verses about saying these things. And I was thinking about that. That's boasting when you talk about how many times you were beaten, hit, put in jail, all these things that we think would just be tragedies in our life. Paul, Paul was not anxious to share those. He was not. He didn't. I know. In fact, he he found a hard time to do that. But he and, he, and we'll see the build, we'll see the tension here in this section. So let's get into it here. I'm going to go back at least one verse here for context. So actually, 13, 14, and 15 all talk about this idea of false apostles and they're deceitful in disguising themselves or they're transforming themselves. So let's go back and review uh, last week about. <clears throat> False apostles. For such, are, such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. So Paul gives, um, he now is going to you know, kind of give them the true aspect of who these uh, false apostles are, who they called super apostles earlier. And he'll tell us about their office, their character, and their methods. And that's kind of Macaulay kind of took that from just those three words. They're false apostles. That's their co- sort of office, so to speak. Their character is they're deceitful, and their methods they disguise or they transform themselves. Actually, the word transform is probably better, and we'll see that shortly. Uh, Four are indeed such men. The ones mentioned back in in verse uh, twelve are. Our has been supplied here. uh, they're false apostles, and actually it's, just, it's one, it's two words in the English, one word in the Greek, it's just pseudo with apostolos together. A false apostle who pretends to be an apostle of Christ. So Paul, you know, by the very fact that he, he is, he makes, these are, these are truly people in this church in Corinth. If you think about it, Paul was there, he started the church in Corinth, then he left, and then apparently over time, these false apostles came in, and they started you know, preaching a different gospel. We, we saw that earlier, different gospel, a different Jesus. And over time, they criticized Paul, and Paul's whole reputation was in jeopardy, and what he taught was in jeopardy. So Paul is very concerned that the, their true nature is revealed here. And so I thought it's a really good verse in Revelation that talks about false apostles. And this is the church in Ephesus, and the Lord Jesus is speaking here, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. They're very to the point of what we're talking about here. So going on the second part of the verse, they're deceitful workers, and the deceitful is kind of a really colorful word. There's three ideas present, and this is from Macaulay: deceit. It sounds like the the gruesome threesome or something like that. You know, deceit, treachery, and cunning. How'd you like to have that for a a resume? Right? Here's my resume. I'm deceitful. I'm treacherous, and I'm cunning. Well, that's that's the that's the false apostles. So their aim is deceit. Uh, They're willing to commit a treacherous act. Uh, but the intent is to cover it all in the cunning aspect, to be cunning about it, not truthful, uh, sly. And, and I like this, rather than saying they're, um, uh, dis, rather than saying disguising, it's, it's this word meta. You can actually almost see it, you know, uh, in looking at the transliteration. Meta, the first part, schematizo, to transform to change the outward form or appearance. So, you know, in Scripture we read about the believer, and the Lord Jesus wants to change us on the inside, make us a, a new person in Christ. Well, this is exactly the opposite of that. The, the, the false apostles, and we're going to see Satan himself, wants to cover himself with a covering or an exterior that hides his true character, hides his, his internal appearance. So it's all about the appearance, all about the outward appearance is what we're talking about here. So it's literally transforming themselves. So it's present middle and, um, and we'll see that. So it's, and the word is used, we, we saw it, we saw it, it's, it's in 13, 14, and 15. It describes the false apostles and also describes Satan and, uh, and again the false apostles. So this word describes Satan and his servants. And actually, you know, it's, the middle says it's for the own benefit. So it's, uh, this, he's transforming himself to achieve his purpose, to achieve these purposes of, of treachery, uh, deceit, and cunning. And what is he transforming himself into? It's into or as an apostle of Christ. So Macaulay says, uh, The eye would see an apostle of Christ, not a false apostle. You know, as I studied through this, the next uh, two verses, you, you get the impression that, well, it's all about the outward appearance, and many times we're concerned about things that we see are dark. We'll say, well, that's a dark situation. Well, it's interesting that that Satan doesn't seem to be hanging out there, or these false apostles. They're hanging out where it seems to be bright and light, you know, light. It's, it's the opposite of what our minds think. We think, well, That's a very dark situation, and there are dark situations, but, but this, the the takeaway here is that this is being presented to you as something that's maybe good even. So, you know, it it implores us to be careful. Okay, so here's the verses, I'm not going to reread them again, but just, just one point. Toward the end there, uh, he's going to talk about tolerating, he's going to be very hard on the Corinthians. Because you tolerated these men I'm just talking about these these people who transformed themselves, you tolerated them he's just and he, it's like he said, how, how could you possibly tolerate these people who did these things to you they you know they uh, enslaved you, they devoured you they took advantage of you. How could you possibly do that and it's just you know just amazing that they had gone that far okay, so verse fourteen kind of saying in the same context about this disguising or transforming, so he says. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And this is one of the passages in the Scripture that's uh, many passages that describe the character of Satan. It gives us a real insight into into his character. It says <clears throat> "It is no wonder." Uh, wonder is the idea of um, uh, to gaze in wonder. Uh, and it, and it, literally, this should be: you shouldn't be surprised for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Satan himself, and here's our word again, metaschemats, <laughs> I'll stop there, <laughs> transforms himself, and again, it's in the middle voice, so Satan is continual, in present tense, middle voice, he's continually doing this for his own benefit. So he's. it's not like he, he says, well sometimes I'll show my true character, it's like he, He's always in, in, in the process of doing this, transforming himself. Therefore, we cannot see Satan's true nature. This is a method or tactic of Satan. And it's, he transforms himself into an angel of light. So this is the outward appearance of Satan. This is a mask that Satan wears. So, the, so this, is, this is from uh, Merriman. So the prince of darkness does not come to you with darkness. And that's where I kind of got the idea. We got the wrong picture. We're, we're thinking darkness and Satan is coming to us as light. You know, <laughs> kind of. But, but the wonderful news is, so what's the believer to be about? What, what's our life to be What's our character to be about? And we know that from many passages of Scripture. Just the, the converse of this. So in contrast, a true believer is described as, in Ephesians 5.8, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then in First Thessalonians five five, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night or of darkness. So in to- it's a, we're in total contrast to who Satan is. Uh, but he appe- he wants to appear like us, so he ca- so he can do his his uh, you know terrible deeds okay so verse 15 this is the third time around on this word um, transforming therefore it is not surprising if his servants and I believe that's in the context of these false apostles also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness so you can translate it's no great thing so it it should be no surprise if they're they're Satan's servants they're going to do they're going to follow after him and it, the if here is assumed to be true. Also, these ministers of, of Satan transform themselves. Uh, and ministers is uh, deaconos, de, de, uh, servant, minister, deacon. And the verb again is transform themselves. The same word for the third time. Present middle again. It's all three times is present middle. So these ministers are continually doing Doing this for their own benefit, and you know, it kind of of comes up to the. um, You kind of wonder, does um, uh, you wonder about their their salvation? Are they truly saved? And I am not sure this actually addresses all that, but it just kind of made me think that: Do they really know? Do unbelievers know what's really going on? I think many times they don't. Many times, if an unbeliever. Thinks he's doing righteous things. He thinks he's pleasing God. He doesn't know God. He doesn't really know what's going on. So I don't know. So these these pseudo apostles were they really saved? I don't know. Maybe they were. Maybe we don't. We don't know for sure. But they're but they're masquerading as ministers of righteousness. Um, the masquerade is that of righteousness by these ministers. So the last part. So now he's going to describe the. So what's the uh, and this actually might give us a clue to, to whether they're saved or not. It says, "Whose in will be according to their deeds." I think as 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 I as I read that, I thought, "Well, praise the Lord! We know, according to because we're in Christ, we we have His life, and our deeds are righteous because we're righteous in Him." But these people are not. That's according to the deeds that they've done. Um, who His servants in will be. End is teleos, the, the the final result of a state process. It points to the fate of something. Paul now declares the fate of his of Satan's servants, according to their deeds or works. So it, you know it kind of takes you back, and you think, well, okay, Scripture talks a lot about that men outside of Christ. What will happen? They will suffer uh, based upon their deeds. So it reminds us of how God will deal with those who don't know him. So we see this in uh, Romans 2.6. <clears throat> For he will render to every man according to his work uh, justly as his deeds deserve. So Paul describes someone rejecting the truth in terms of their ultimate destiny. Okay, so that's kind of those three verses, 13, 14, 15, that talk about these um these false apostles. And behind those false apostles is, is Satan is doing his work. So now, so I actually was trying to think of a, of a case in scripture. And uh, Bonnie and I listened to uh, Macaulay. We're listening through Revelation. We're ahead of the class, the men's study. We're, we're in chapter 12 now. So we're a bit ahead. So in chapter 12, this verse showed up. And it was yesterday, I think we were looking at it. Or maybe it was, maybe it was Friday. I guess it was Friday. So in Revelation twelve four it says, "And the dragon, Satan, stood before the woman, who was about to give birth, so that she, when she gave birth, might—I'm sorry—so that when she gave birth, he, Satan, might devour her child, Christ. So this is in in that context. It's kind of a flashback to to the birth of Christ. So you go back there, and so so I think we'll see a a person that Satan used for his purposes. And I don't know whether he realized that. He probably didn't. But it's our, it's our old buddy here, Herod, right? I think Satan, you know, to fulfilling, fulfilling this verse, we, we see in uh, Matthew 2.8, And he, Herod, sent them to Bethlehem. And this is, this is the uh, Magi's. He said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me. So that I too may come and worship him. So was that, was that Herod's true feelings about the child? <laughs> I don't think so. And so here are his true feelings about the child. <clears throat> then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi's, he became very enraged and he sent and slew all male children who were in Bethlehem and its vicinities from two years old and under. So I thought it was kind of an interesting. Th- so, you look at the, starting in Revelation kind of working backwards we see that who is behind what what Herod's intent Herod's probably you know I think from other contexts Herod seemed to be concerned about power right he was afraid this was the you know the Jewish Messiah who's going to take over and he's going to be out of a job but behind that was Satan's intent to devour to, to you know to get to Christ but you know we, we know the rest of the story that you know, he, he was warned in, Joseph was warned in a dream so it's kind of interesting. this is kind of an example possibly of, um, of how Satan is working. OK, so now so now again, I say, So Paul again, will talk about boasting as a fool. So let's think about this for a second. Um, so what's the reason? What's the reason? Paul always is concerned about about being a fool, and I think it comes from from this this statement here by that Macaulay made, and and Scripture makes too certainly. The reason he says this is because Scripture says, and the Scripture he's I'm going to quote are Paul's writings. Uh, one who boasts in himself is a fool. So we see that in a couple of verses, First Corinthians one thirty one. So that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And then we see in Galatians 6.14, but, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so um, let me just go back here for a second. So, basically, you see that, that Paul, he had already stated in his, in his writings, in his letters, he already had pointed out that the only boasting a man should do who knows the Lord is boasting in the Lord. So when he comes to this struggle about, well, should I boast or not boast, he's always kind of, you know, he's looking at the, the fact that, that I'm contradicting what I've said before. So we'll, that's going to play out a little bit more here in a second. So now in verses 16 through 21, Paul will tell us why he needs to boast. He has a valid reason why he needs to boast. Okay, starting in the second part of the verse. Let no one think me foolish. Okay? So it, you can literally have it. Stop thinking about me as a fool. So why should why should we do that? He's telling the Corinthians. He's writing the Corinthians. <clears throat> a fool is a, it's a compound word. It's literally the A negates it. It's reason with an A in front of it. So it's without reason. So a fool acts without reason. So... Um, so Paul's saying, Macaulay says, Paul's saying, I'm going to do some boasting, please don't think me foolish. I'm not without reason. But even if you do, as is the case, so it's first class condition, yet receive me as a fool in order that I may boast a little. So, so here's, here's a verse that would kind of give some credence to, to, being, uh, to being foolish. Because Proverbs uh, 26.5 says, answer a fool as his folly deserves that he be not wise in his own eyes. So in, in that using that verse, you could say, wow, you know, a fool doesn't deserve, sometimes a fool doesn't deserve, uh, he deserves to see his own folly, basically. Uh, so Paul says, uh, Merriman is kind of saying, I really don't, I'm really not a fool, but tolerate it for a little while. He says, down in my core, I'm not a fool. I'm going to act like a fool on the, on my exterior, but I'm not really a fool inside, if you will. And and please tolerate that. So on to 17. What I am saying, I speak not according to the Lord. That's the inner linear of 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 that part of the verse. According to kata, according to a norm or standard. Literally, I'm speaking not according to the norm and standard of the Lord. Our Lord would not use this kind of approach. So Paul kind of steps away for a second and he says, you know, I'm going to, Going down this path of boasting and, and, and playing and being foolish, that's not something the Lord would, would do, but I, I think I need to do it because it's so important. And notice that the word as. Is, he's, Paul's not saying but in foolish but as in foolishness. And as is kind of, in, in the manner of, that's kind of really important. Smaller words are important, right? As in foolishness. As in the manner of foolishness. Paul will be speaking in the manner of foolishness which I think is really key. So that's part of this whole struggle he's doing between foolishness and boasting. Since many boast speaking of the false apostles boast according to the flesh so they boast in what they've done their accomplishments and Paul doesn't want to Paul's not that kind of person he doesn't want to do that. According to the Norman standard the Norman standard of these false apostles is the flesh and not the spirit. This is the way the flesh speaks. So Paul says, "Okay, I'm going to go down the same path. I will boast also." Paul and we'll see that shortly. We'll see it next week when Paul goes through that that incredible list of his sufferings for the Lord. And boy, if you call that boasting, it's a different kind of boasting. You know, most of them boast, well, I'm, I got you know, I got this, I did, I did this, I accomplished that. I was head of this corporation. I did this. I made all this money. Well, Paul talks about all his sufferings for the Lord which is a different kind of boasting to me. Okay, let's go. So 19. So now he's going to start in. He's really going to... Let's see. I I actually have it right here. Now Paul will use irony and cutting statements. Uh, Some of these statements are just incredible. that He's going to make in 19 and 20. For you Corinthians, being so wise, this is sarcastically or ironically, being so wise... Wise is the idea of practical knowledge. Uh, you see yourself as wise in relation to others. This is from Merriman. You're real smart, aren't you? You think you're real smart. And apparently they did. Amazingly enough, they thought they were pretty, pretty intelligent people. You tolerate or put up with these foolish, the, uh, foolishness gladly. You put up with them. You, you, you allow that. You tolerate fools. This is two statements by, by Merriman here. I just I almost laugh. I'm listening to the recording, and, he, and I'm writing it down, and I start laughing because it's just, it's just so, so funny. He says, okay, so here's Merriman's take on this. You tolerate fools so well, you encourage me to speak as a fool. Okay, that's the first one. The second one, you make it easy to act as a fool because you, because you like fools so well. You make you easy to act to the fool because you like fools so well. Pretty, pretty amazing statements. But it seems like it fits. I mean, Paul was just kind of at wits end, so to speak. You guys are just going off the deep end. How can, how can you do this? So 20 just even goes even farther. For you tolerate, you tolerate it, the actions of the false apostles. So this is the second time he talked about tolerate, you tolerate it in, in, in verse 19, you tolerate it again in 20 here. So in each of these statements, and it isn't in the translation, they've kind of left it out, but in the original, the if, to, the if statement is there, but it's all first class. so I, I can see why they left it out. <clears throat> so it's assumed to be true. So each of these statements is assumed to be true. If anyone enslaves you, and they do, and they have, they, they make you a sla- make a slave of you, control you. we see that in, a, I tried to find a verse that kind of matches up with each of these statements. Um, in galatians two four it says, "But it was because of false brethren secretly brought in in order to bring you into bondage, if anyone devours you and they do to gobble up uh, your substance and spend your money a really kind of a biting verse here is but <clears throat> but when his uh, and this is this is a cool one about the um, uh, oh my mind 's going here um, <laughs> Yes, uh, it's uh, the two, two brothers, right? The, uh, anyway, so, so this is the older brother talking about his younger brother. He says, but when, when the son came, the prodigal son, uh, but when the son came of yours, who had devoured all your wealth, you killed the fatted calf and called for him. So his brother's a little upset that his dad's so generous and so benevolent. But he kind of points out, this is the idea of devouring your wealth. So these false apostles, were de- they were enslaving them, they were devouring their wealth. We got three more to go. <clears throat> if anyone takes advantage of you to capture you, to prey upon you, uh, to deceive you, we have an example here of the of the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, because you devour the widows' houses. If anyone exalts himself, to lift yourself over someone, and I kind of thought of the verse we studied just recently about. Um, uh, and every lofty thought raised up against the knowledge of God, exalt themselves against who God is. So they exalted themselves, these false apostles. And then lastly, if anyone hits you in the face uh, to put you down by insult, and I believe this could be either physically or it could be by speech, but the example we have in Scripture that I found easily was the one in Acts, and that's the case where Ananias... Told one of the people standing next to Paul, Paul said something, I've forgotten exactly the statement. He finished his discussion with Ananias, and Ananias said to the person standing next to Paul, Hit him in the face. You know, he, he wanted to insult Paul. So here are the five things that these false apostles were um, had done and were doing uh, to the Corinthian church there. And Merriman says, I I kind of agree, all these actions are a disgrace. And you should know better. That's what—that's kind of Paul's heart. You should know why. Why did you allow this? Why are you allowing these guys to come in and do all these terrible things to you? And then, then, then here's, and here's then. Verse 21 is actually divided. Most of your translations, you'll see, you'll come down. The paragraph will start a new paragraph at 21b. So 21, uh, 21a. So now will Paul. So amazing. This is so so Paul, if you will. Who's he going to lay the Who's at fault for this disgrace? And he kind of, and he points to the Corinthians, but no, he says, you know, I'm really at fault here. He will lay the disgrace on himself. It's disgraceful what you've done. I'm going to take the blame, so to speak. And here, I think it's a little bit better translation. I speak according to dishonor as we ourselves have been weak. Dishonor here is the shame or disgrace, uh, to disparage oneself. Um, this is Merriman says this is total irony. Paul did not act in the way. So how did Paul act? Did Paul act like those five things we saw about the the false apostles? Did he act that way? No, no way. No way, Jose. He acted this way. First Corinthians two three. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold towards you when absent. We did not act, so basically Paul is saying, we did not act like authoritative apostles. So that just was not Paul's character. So just some final thoughts on this kind of last section of the of verses here. And this is from Constable. <clears throat> The Apostle the apostle Paul was most ironical in these verses, 17 through 21. Uh, he says feigned, I don't know whether that's uh, the best word, Paul feigned shame that he had behaved so weakly among them. To make his point, he, he took the blame on himself, right? His conduct was Christ-like. Now he was experiencing the abuse for such gentle, gentleness at the Master's hand. So really interesting verses, you know. So next week we get to have the big, the boasting's finally going to come. Paul's going to boast. But like I said, it's, a, it's the weirdest boasting I've ever seen. When I list all the times I've been put in jail, beat up, done this and that, all these different things, it doesn't sound like it was very, <clears throat> something I would like to boast about. But Paul, Paul was careful about, about tooting his own horn, so to speak. So next week we'll see that. So let's close. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for the blessings that we have in our Savior. Thank you for Paul's life and how he was such an open person that, that shared his heart. He shared his struggles with um, the Corinthian church and its examples for us. That we see uh, <clears throat> how um, your servant uh, who desires that your word be heard and people be saved will, um, will trust himself to you. And, and we thank you for that. In Christ's name. Amen.